Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Executive function is a hot topic around ADHD, and more specifically, how often we have a deficit in it. But one of the trickiest parts about executive function is that there isn't a universally accepted model of executive function. I know that feels kind of surprising because it seems like something that is talked about a lot and that we should have something that is just generally agreed upon. So for this episode, we're going to be focusing on the Russell Barkley self-regulation model, although I'll certainly be pulling from some other sources as well. I really like Dr. Barkley's model for self-regulation because in many ways, we can actually look at ADHD as a disorder of self-regulation itself. And that's exactly what Dr. Barkley proposes, that executive function and self-regulation are the same thing, and that with ADHD, we have a deficit in our executive functions, and therefore a deficit in our self-regulation. As such, I'll be using executive function and self-regulation interchangeably throughout the episode to help emphasize that really they're the same thing. In this episode, I'm going to go into exactly what executive function and self-regulation is, how we use it, and how we can get back on track when we find ourselves missing some of that self-regulation. This episode is brought to you by the Skylight Calendar. Give your family calendar a major upgrade with Skylight's touchscreen smart calendar and chore chart that can really keep your family organized. One of the best ways you can help manage your ADHD is by really using your calendar, but that won't help if you're never checking it. This calendar gives you that visual reminder of what's coming next. The Skylight Calendar syncs all of your different digital calendars and events your family uses and shows them all together in one beautiful touchscreen display. And the new chore chart feature shows organized lists of what each person needs to get done so they can check them off and stay on top of their household duties. In my household, we need to keep track of a lot of stuff. Lacrosse practice, piano lessons, play dates, and all the other appointments that we need to get to. This calendar provides a convenient place that everyone in the family can check in on and see what's going on. And I love that it syncs up with the calendars that we already have. Now, as a special offer, you get up to $30 off your first purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com and enter the code HACKING. Again, skylightcal.com and enter code HACKING. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com with promo code HACKING. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I was looking for a way to better hit all my nutritional needs, and it quickly became a staple of my morning routine. And that's been one of my favorite parts of using AG1, just how easy it is and how easily it fits into my daily schedule. With one scoop of AG1, I'm getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. It's important to make sure that you're getting a variety of foods into your diet, but with ADHD, making sure that happens can be difficult. With AG1, you're giving yourself the nutritional insurance to make sure that your body is getting what it needs every day. AG1 lets me offload having to worry about if I'm hitting all those nutritional targets, and helps me focus on the things that I actually want to be focusing on. Right now, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com ADHD. 
Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash ADHD to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash executive function. All right, keep on listening to find out how we can put the fun in executive function. All right, well, let's start with what are executive functions? Simply put, executive functioning skills are how the brain plans and reacts to situations. It's how we manage ourselves inside and out, and it's what we rely on when we're not on autopilot. There are three main executive functions that we draw from working memory, cognitive flexibility, and inhibitory control. I'm guessing from that list, you see two things that ADHD really struggles with and one that we're actually pretty decent at. Even so, let's do a quick rundown of what each of these things entail, because it's actually a bit more nuanced than that. Starting with working memory, what we're talking about here is our very short-term memory. This is basically information that we're working with right now. It's how we can store information in our brains while doing something else. Well, that's how it's supposed to work anyway. For many of us with ADHD, we can struggle with our working memory. This can make it difficult for us to follow multi-step directions. Just think about reading a recipe going, okay, I got this, then doing the first step, and realizing you have no idea what the next step after that is supposed to be. It should also be noted that some psychologists use the terms short-term memory and working memory interchangeably, while others view them as distinct processes. Next up, we've got cognitive flexibility, which can refer to creative thinking and thinking outside the box, but it also means our ability to adapt to new and unexpected situations. So while many of us with ADHD do excel at creative thinking, we can have a lot of issues dealing with the unexpected. Cognitive flexibility is about seeing what we're doing, and if it's not working, then implementing a new strategy. It's why we can struggle so much when our routines are thrown out of whack. Okay, and finally, we've got inhibitory control, which really just refers to resisting temptation and resisting acting impulsively. It's also about maintaining selective intention and cognitive inhibition, which is what lets us block out information that isn't really relevant to the task at hand. So ignoring the ticking of a clock while you're taking a test or maintaining focus on the conversation you're having right now instead of the one of the loud guy two tables over that you can't keep out of your head. So yeah, I think we've got that one covered on why ADHD has trouble with it. And as we can see, executive function deficits pose a serious problem in our ability to engage in self-regulation. This also means that time and thinking about the future are incredibly difficult for those of us with deficits in executive function. It makes it hard to anticipate and prepare for the future, and it makes it hard for us to maintain and hit our goals. I should also mention that having executive function deficits doesn't necessarily mean that you have ADHD. There are many conditions that can lead to executive function issues. And also on that note, executive dysfunction is actually not part of an ADHD diagnosis. Although, and this is very much my own thoughts here, I don't see how you could get a diagnosis without having at least some executive dysfunction, because there's just so much overlap between ADHD symptoms and executive dysfunction. It really is a disorder of self-regulation. So while deficits in executive function are not part of the diagnostic criteria in the DSM-5, it is certainly part of ADHD. But I digress. It's just something that I think should be noted. 
Along with thinking of our executive function as self-regulation, we've also got to understand that this is a limited resource, although those limits are going to fluctuate throughout the day. We can think of using our executive functions as drawing from a pool of resources, and the more we engage in using our self-regulation, the more resources we're going to draw. Our well of willpower is not infinite, and so we can find ourselves severely lacking in self-regulation as the day goes by. This isn't to say that we don't have methods to restore some of those resources, though. As well, those levels are going to fluctuate throughout the day. There are going to be points in the day where our energy is peaking and it's easier to draw from these willpower resources, and times when we're at low energy and it's harder. So it can be useful to think of these things like a kind of tide. And I know it's a little confusing. It's a lot. It's like a tide, but we can also use it up and there are ways to replenish it. So yeah, pretty much. So let's start with using up those resources. Simply put, the more we need to rely on self-regulation, the more we're going to use it up. One of the clearest examples I often see comes from my kids. I know that the most likely time for them to have a meltdown is right after I pick them up from school. And it makes complete sense when you view it from the standpoint of self-regulation. There is a ton of self-regulation that's required throughout the school day. And once they get in the car, they can drop all of that and find they've got nothing left in the tank to help them self-regulate. The same thing happens to us as adults. We can spend the day doing things where we find ourselves needing to mask, needing to rely on our ability to self-regulate, and then come home at the end of the day and find that we can't get ourselves to do anything that we want to do. We can find ourselves stuck on the couch trying to will ourselves to get up and do something else, but feeling like we're paralyzed. So really anything that uses self-regulation and any of those main executive functions I mentioned earlier are going to use up some of our capital of willpower. And that depletion can be exacerbated by things like stress, bad sleep, illness, and drug use, or even having low blood sugar. Can't get yourself to do anything? Maybe it's because you haven't eaten in a while. Now, of course, we can also work on restoring some of that resource pool because, hey, if those things can exacerbate the deficits, well, then doing the opposite should help. And indeed, in most cases, it does. Reducing stress and getting a good night's sleep are absolutely going to help with our levels of executive function. Making sure that we've eaten and keeping hydrated also helps. And then there are things like taking periodic breaks throughout the day getting regular exercise, and doing things like meditation that can help restore our ability to self-regulate. But I also mentioned that this is kind of like a tide as well, and what I mean by that is that our natural levels of reserves are going to vary throughout the day. We've got two main cycles that our bodies go through every day. We've got the circadian cycle that dictates our sleep and wake cycle, and then we have our ultradian cycles, which are 90-minute cycles that our bodies go through going from high energy to lower levels of energy. During both of these cycles, we're going to see varying levels of willpower that we can manipulate. Additionally, there are times when we can more easily draw upon the well, such as during an emergency or when we need to meet a deadline. Our body can kick into higher gear and keep us focused and drawing on those executive functions when it really needs to. But we also need to understand that those reserves don't just magically appear. We're borrowing them from our future selves. And what this means is that we can have an even bigger crash once we meet that deadline or once that emergency passes. And drawing on these too often for too long is how we can reach burnout. Borrowing from the future until there's nothing left to borrow. I think one of the biggest takeaways that we can get from this episode is that 
often those times we screw up aren't really our fault, or at least not our conscious fault. It more often than not has to do with our deficits in executive function, and therefore our deficits in self-regulation. I'm not saying this absolves us of responsibility of our actions, but it is an explanation for them. And the explanation is important because it gives us a method that we can think about for correcting the behavior in the future. One of the problems that often comes up from my self-talk is that it misidentifies my actions as moral failings rather than, say, having lunch too late in the afternoon. And this self-talk is important because how we identify a problem is how we work on solving it. If I say I'm failing to finish my writing because I'm a bad person or I'm lazy, there isn't a lot I can do to try and solve it beyond buckling down and trying harder. But if I can admit that I'm having issues with my self-regulation, well, that's something I can try to solve for. Maybe I do just need to get something to eat, or I need to take a break. Maybe I need to put away distractions so I'm not inadvertently using up my executive functions resisting the temptation to play with all those toys in my desk. And this means that we can really embrace thinking about our ADHD issues in terms of self-regulation. So say we're taking a break to help restore some of that pool of executive functions and we decide to work on a puzzle. This is something that I've actually been doing recently because I got this great thousand-piece puzzle for my birthday. But the issue is that it's really easy to just do one more piece over and over again. So thinking about this in terms of how am I going to regulate this, I can work on strategies that will actually help to get me to stop. Initially, I might think of just setting alarm will work. After five minutes, my break is done. But if my issue is putting on just one more piece over and over, then I'm probably going to do that once I hit my alarm as well. What could be far more effective in this situation is creating alarm and then leaving it all the way across the room so that I actually have to get up from what I'm doing. And once I get up, it's a lot easier for me to just move on to the next thing. And I know, it's just a puzzle. I should be able to just get up and go and do the other things I want to be doing. But that's kind of the point. This is a place where I feel like I should just be able to do what I need to do to stop. But nonetheless, this is also a place that I have found myself struggling with a few times over this last week. And that there is a great indicator of when we need to change something. It's where we can identify that we know we're going to have a problem in the future. Instead of relying on willpower, we need to think about where we might have issues and how we can mitigate our reliance on our own self-regulation. If I want to eat healthier, it's easier for me to just not have junk food in the house instead of trying to resist eating those cookies every time I open the pantry. This is also why many people find it easier to work in a cafe instead of at home. Sure, there are ways that we can distract ourselves there, but by changing our environment, we've cut out a huge percentage of those distractions that we'd normally have to use our executive functions to ignore. Of course, there also has to be a balance struck between accepting that we're low with those executive function resources and still doing things when we might not want to. Because I know from personal experience, it's easy for me to go, oh, I'm not going to do that. My executive functions are low and it just wouldn't work anyway. This is not particularly helpful, and it's just me rationalizing not doing something that I don't want to do. But it's also in the realm of truth, because if I just try and force myself to do it, I'm also probably not going to get it done. Instead, what's more useful is to go, I'm not going to start now, my executive functions are low, so I'm going to go for a walk, or whatever tool you want to use to help replenish your self-regulation which also admittedly is not the easiest thing to do when your self-regulation is low. Because hey, if I'm having trouble self-regulating, 
that means it's harder to make those good decisions. So as I said, we have to work on finding a balance. And one of the keys of dealing with low self-regulation is that we need to plan ahead. Earlier, I mentioned that we can think of that resource pool as having a tide that goes in and out throughout the day. What this means is that we have a somewhat predictable time when it is going to be harder for us to draw on that self-regulation, which means those are great times to have some downtime. We all need breaks throughout the day, so why not put them at times that you're already going to need a break? Ultimately, while there are things we can do to work on improving our executive functions, our best strategies are going to be the ones that mitigate our own dysfunction by modifying our environment to better suit our needs when we hit those low points in our ability to self-regulate. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, we can think of executive function and self-regulation as the same thing. Two, our primary executive functions are working memory, cognitive flexibility, and inhibitory control. Three, we have a limited resource pool for our executive functions, and we use some of it every time we engage in self-regulation. Fortunately, we can help restore some of these resources by doing things like taking breaks, having a snack, and getting some exercise. Four, one of the best ways to help with executive function is to modify our environment so that we're reducing the amount of self-regulation we need to do. This means doing things like putting away distractions and making time more visible. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDRewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. When your girlfriend comes home in a white suit, covered in bee stings and smelling like honey, you know she's a keeper.